start off with one verse, if we can stand to honor God's word. It's Proverbs 13, verse 22. Uh, Proverbs 13, verse 22. It says, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Amen. I'm going to ask my wife to pray for the Lord's anointing today. Amen. You may be seated. 1969, a nine-year-old boy named Russell Capper sent President Nixon a letter suggesting that a day should be set aside in order to celebrate grandparents. On June 12, 1969, he received a letter back from Rosemary Woods, who was the personal secretary to the president, reading, Dear Russell, Thank you for your letter to President Nixon. Your suggestion regarding a grandparents' day is appreciated, but the president ordinarily issues proclamations designating periods for special observance only when a congressional resolution authorizes him to do so. With best wishes, sincerely, Rosemary Woods, personal secretary to the president. Following this letter, Marion McCade was recognized nationally by the U.S. Senate and by President Jimmy Carter as the founder of National Grandparents Day. McCade wanted to educate the youth about the importance of seniors and the contributions they have made throughout history. She urged the youth to adopt a grandparent and learn more about their lives, learn more about their challenges and desires for the future. In 1977, Senator Randolph, with the help of other senators, introduced a joint resolution to the Senate requesting the president to issue annually a proclamation designating the first Sunday of September after Labor Day of each year as National Grandparents Day. Congress passed the legislation proclaiming the first Sunday after Labor Day as National Grandparents Day. On August 3rd, 1978, Jimmy Carter signed the proclamation and the day was finally celebrated September 10th, 1978. That's the history. A short little blurb of it. So today we give honor to the grandparents. How many grandparents do we have here today? Eight? How many people have grandparents? <laughs> or had? It's everyone, right? Every one of us had, right? So I was blessed in that I had an opportunity to meet all four of my grandparents. And uh, none of them are alive today. Actually, I even got a chance to meet at least one great-grandparent and possibly another one of, on my mom's side. I think they were all on my mom's side, <laughs> all the ones that I met, all the great ones. Um, so, I have, uh, I got a chance to meet both my grandmas, my mom and dad's moms, and both my grandpas, their dads, and the men outlived the women. 
in uh, my grandparents' case. Uh, both my grandmas died. Uh, one died when I was around nine, one died when I was around 11, but I have a lot of good memories in the early years of my grandmothers. And so um, I could remember specific things about each one of them. I believe that my grandma, Vanita Thorson, I believe I was her favorite grandchild. Is that true, mother? <laughs> was I? They, I was told that I was her favorite because she didn't like girls. <laughs> right? And um, she didn't, and I was the only grandson that she had. And so every time we would see her, she always had a gift for me. Now, if you ask Gina, her relationship wasn't so good. She doesn't have as many nice things to say because she didn't always have a gift for Gina. And my dad had to confront her and say, if you don't have a gift for all of them, all three of them, don't, don't give them to any of them. That was my uh, grandma, Vanita. She loved me. She was a smoker. She smoked. She would light the next cigarette with the one she just finished and smoked three packs a day. Never saw inside of her house. We'd go to visit her. She would, she would, uh, we'd, it was weird. We never went inside. And we found out after she died, she was a hoarder. And all the walls were just brown and almost black with nicotine stain. And so, um, but I have a lot of good memories of times I spent with her and my old little rocking chair that she gave me. It was, you know, the one that was at the house with the, still, you know, that little rocking chair for all these years. Um, but then my uh, other grandmother, she was Vera. She was Vera Diaz, maiden name Conley, and that was my mom's mom. And I remember she would come and visit us, and I remember pretending to be sick so I didn't have to go to Bible study. And I would just sit there next to her and watch her crochet these little sweaters for our poodle. And uh, I just loved it. I remember sitting on the couch and playing this, you know, where you'd stretch and see whose legs were stronger. And I was amazed at how strong my grandma's legs were. But she always let me win. <laughs> and so my grandma Vera, uh, my mom's mom, and my grandma, my grandma and grandpa, Diaz, they had a huge house. Three-story. My grandfather told me it was 2,200 square feet per floor, 6,600 square feet, huge basement, huge main floor, huge top floor for all those children, 11 children. I got a lot of cousins, and I would, we would love, we're going to the big house, we called it, and they had an orchard, they had a swimming pool, and I remember just running around up and down the stairs, you know, sitting on the stairs and, you know, scooting all the way down and just... Loved going to grandma and grandpa's house. You'd walk up those main stairs and you'd see there'd be a door, the main door, the center of the stairs. You open it, it was the prayer room. Red carpet, stained glass window, statue of Mary. And I remember thinking, you know, during Lent, my staying there and my grandpa's waking up all the children. Time to come in here and pray. And, and my, I remember when my one uncle, Lon, complaining, but he had to go. He said, come with me. And I said, okay, I'll come with you. It was too early in the morning. But I went, and I just remember sitting there, them doing all this stuff, you know, and saying whatever they say. And, 
And I was just sitting there and just listening to my grandfather lead them in prayer. And uh, so I, over the years, I have a lot of memories of my grandparents. After my grandmothers, both of them, after they died, I uh, developed a relationship with my grandfather Thorson. Thorwall was his name. But most people didn't know him by Thorwall. They knew him by Red because he had red hair. So all his life he was called Red, big, tall, Norwegian guy. Very quiet, very quiet individual, you know. And um, very intelligent, very wealthy. That was my grandpa Thorson. I remember sitting down and having conversations with, I even lived with my grandpa Thorson a little bit uh, before he died. And uh, I received an inheritance from my grandpa Thorson. And because of that inheritance, I was able to buy my first house at the age of 21. I put a down payment on that house and bought my first house. It was just right up the road here. And he died when I was around 20, 21. He didn't get to see my first house. But my grandpa Dias, now my mom's dad, he was the one that everyone was afraid of. He had a harsh personality. He was a tough dad. He was the one that, you know, none of the grandchildren wanted to go around. He was scary. He was the scary one. And he was the one that my, one of my sisters said, you're just like grandpa. And I thought, wow, he can't be that bad of a guy, right? <laughs> so I had to develop a relationship with my grandpa, Dias. And there was days I would call him and we would talk on the phone. There was days that he would email me. There was days uh, I remembered a time, and I've shared this before, I, I called him up. I said, hey, we're going to be in San Jose. want to know if you want to go out for breakfast or lunch. And he said, hey, you know what? Let me make a few phone calls, and I'll let you know. He called me. He goes, yep. Let's meet at lunch at this such and such a place. I didn't know he was calling all his children that live in San Jose. And he, was, he said, Jimmy's coming to town. Let's go to lunch. And all my aunts and uncles and cousins and a bunch of them there. And we're in line ordering. And my grandpa says to me and my wife, and he says, you order anything you want. I'm paying for you today. And I remember sitting there. This is the one that was so mean, you know. Everyone was afraid of because he was so strict and harsh and tough, right? And I remember uh, the, all these tables, and he said, sit right here. He goes, now, what did you want to talk to me about? I said, Grandpa, I want to talk to you concerning your faith. Because he was a very, very devout Catholic he just wasn't any kind of Catholic. He was a pre-Vatican II Catholic. And uh, so we, he began to share with me some things, why he was so devout and why he believed. And so he would send me emails and he would send me articles to read and he would call me and email me. And I remember my mom asking me, how's grandpa doing? That's her own dad. She's asking me how. Other people, my sisters, how's grandpa doing? Like, you guys can call him too. You guys could talk to him too. My grandfather, uh, both of my grandfathers were businessmen and both uh, did very well. My grandpa Dias was an electrician and a plumbing, plumbing contractor. 
And when he passed away, I went down there and my uncle, my mom's older brother said, Grandpa has instructed that all plumbing tools materials go to Jimmy. He said, so here it is. And it was a huge yard full of all this old plumbing stuff. He said, you going to, I go, I, I don't have room for all that. I said, I could take some of the stuff. So I did. I still have some of those tools to this day. I have a lot of memories. I remember sitting down with my grandpa at the family reunion, and he said, you know, a lot of my children and my grandchildren have gone astray. They've gotten to drugs, alcohol. Some of my cousins, they've, you know, been through divorce and brokenness. And he said, but your mom's family, all you guys are doing well. He goes, I have a respect for that. That was my grandpa Diaz. He told me of a time when he was in the World War, World War II. And he said, he goes, I missed all the action. He goes, we would go and we would stay in farmhouses. And he goes, you know, we would leave and people would take care of us. They'd feed us and we'd be in all the different places that he would go throughout Europe. And he'd go to another farmhouse and the battle would happen just after he left or before he got to places. He said, I never actually fought, but he was in the World War. And I started thinking, I, I would interview him. I said, Grandpa, I want to know, tell me about your family. Tell me about your siblings. Tell me about your mom and your dad. Because I figured if I could just reach back as far as I could, because I wasn't around in the early 1900s, but if I could get his perspective. And one day I'm sitting there with my dad and we're talking. And I said, Dad, I was reading the scripture, Proverbs 13, 22. It says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And I was thinking about Grandpa Thorson, and he left me that money, and I was able to put that first down payment on that house. And I see my dad thinking. And he said, you know, son, he goes, I want to leave an inheritance to my children, but it's not the financial inheritance I want to leave. I want to leave a spiritual inheritance for my children, for my grandchildren. And I thought that was uh, very powerful. That's how he, I mean, you could tell he was thinking about it, the things that he wanted to leave for his grandchildren. I got to thinking about it. He told me one time, well, I'll, I'll get to that. But he did tell me one time, my dad said, those, your children? He goes, those are mine. He goes, when they have children, those will be yours. And it made me think of the passage in Scripture. Maybe that's where he got it in Genesis. Do you guys remember the passage? I copied and pasted here somewhere. It's Genesis 48. And when Jacob is talking to Joseph in verse 3, Genesis 48, verse 3, Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee, and I will make of thee a multitude of people, and will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which are, were born unto thee in the land of Egypt before I came unto thee into Egypt, are mine. Your two sons, my grandsons, they're mine. As Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. And thy issue, which thou shalt 
which thou begettest after them shall be thine, and shall be called after the name of their brethren in their inheritance. So when my dad told me that, I immediately thought, ah, yeah, he's got to be making reference to this passage here in Genesis. When Jacob said, those grand boys, the ones you call Ephraim and Manasseh, those are mine. <laughs> Your grant, you know, well, their kids will be yours. And so I'm still waiting for to have kids. <laughs> I'm still raising my mom and dad's kids. Exodus 34, 6, it says, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the, lo the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers, upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. Your decisions that you make, that you have made in your past, in your history, they don't just affect you, but they affect your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. Your iniquity, your sin. And why three to four generations? Well, some commentators will say, so you will live to see it. Could you imagine all the wrong choices you made? Oh, no one really knows about this. This just affects me. And then someday you see that grandchild or that son or that daughter making the same mistakes you made. I don't know about anybody else, but I take it personal. If I see my children mess up in the same way I've messed up, I immediately repent. <laughs> I say, God, I messed up. I had this coming. And there's been some times I've talked to my children and say, you know what? I take this a little personal. I take this a little bit personal. And I have, I'm a little bit worried because I know there's some difficult times ahead for you because I've been through that. I've made those mistakes. I had a conversation with my, one of my children about that. But when it says keeping mercy for thousands... Imagine your good decisions, your right decisions can influence, influence thousands of generations. And that's what I want. That's what I'm seeing with my parents, making decisions that influence me to this day. You know, somewhere down the line, there was a married woman and a married man, not married to each other, and they had an affair. And she got pregnant. And she decided to put that little baby boy up for adoption. I don't know how hard that decision was. But that little baby boy was born in Oakland, California. And that was my dad. You know, so decisions that you make, you may think that it just influences you. But no, it influences generations. Generations. So I do want to leave a different kind of inheritance to my children and my children's children. The kind of inheritance that will make a difference for them after this life, after I pass on. I want those decisions that I make today to be a blessing to generations of my descendants after I am gone. And I think my dad was right. 
I do want to be the kind of grandparent that leaves more of a spiritual blessing as an inheritance. I was thinking the other day, just this past week, I was thinking that everything that I have that I consider valuable, it might be your car, it might be your house, everything I have someday will belong to somebody else. Everything. I can't take it with me. Someday I'm going to pass away. My wife and I won't be here any longer. And that property, we live, that's not going to be in my name. Anything that I have, it's not going to be mine anymore. And so what is it, and the same for you. It's the same for everyone here. And so what can I give that will last with my children, that they can take with them? What can I give that will last for my grandchildren? And there's a few people that call me grandpa, and destiny is not here today. And those uh, couple of those boys, we went to their party yesterday, call me grandpa. It was just the neatest thing. When I showed up home one day and the girls were baptizing, and I walked in and Cody said, hi, grandpa. Did he just call me grandpa? <laughs> I told Jolene, I said, your boys just, they call me grandpa. She goes, oh, perfect. She goes, they don't even ha really have any grandparents, so I'm totally fine with that. And I said, well, just to let you know, as the grandpa, when it comes to birthday parties and Christmas, I expect an invitation. She goes, oh, yeah, for sure. We want you there. So for my, my grandkids that aren't here, the things that I would like to leave behind are spiritual things. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19 it says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So I want to lay some treasures down. I want to teach my children to lay some treasures in heaven, to store up treasures in heaven. And my grandchildren, I want them to know and to understand about laying up and storing up treasures in heaven. To fear the Lord, to keep his covenant benefits our grandchildren. And so I want to make decisions today that can have that ripple effect in the following generations. Psalm 103 verse 13 says, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. That's the grandkids. His righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. And I'm so thankful 
Doesn't matter what, you're, what you've done in your past. Doesn't matter where you've been. You can make decisions today that change the course of your progeny, your descendants, just like Ruth did. She was a Moabitess, but she was determined to be with Naomi. And she married, and she is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Just as Rahab did, she was a harlot, but she brought in those spies and there, and she is also listed in the lineage of Jesus Christ, Rahab. So you can change the course of your family tree by the decisions and the things that you do today. The most valuable things that I have been given from those previous generations have been those spiritual things. So I've learned that there is some things that we can glean. And I, how many grandparents here have had your children call you up and say, I would like to sit down and interview you? Any of the grandparents done that? My mom? I don't think it happens a lot. I don't really think it happens a lot. And if I know what I, if I knew back then what I know today, I would have done I would have loved to have sat down and interviewed my grandmothers. I sat down with both my grandpas because they lived longer. And I had an opportunity to interview them and get life's perspective from them. And to see things and to hear things and hear decisions that they made for their family that influences me to this very day. I remember my grandpa saying, uh, Jimmy, he said, you can take my plumbing business. He goes, I'm retired now. He goes, you can run it. He goes, but remember, it's got a good name. So I just tell you to, hello? Felt like it was going to go away. He said... <laughs> so he said, you run it good. He goes, with integrity. I said, you know, Grandpa, that I would, I would do that. And, uh, but I never did reopen his business. I, I called the state, and it was going to be challenging because he, he had... He had not ran it for a while, so I opened my own. But I asked him, I probably interviewed him more than any grandparent because he lived longer than all the rest of them. And I enjoyed learning things that I learned from him, even though he was the mean one. He's the one who, and he, re, you know, I believe he regretted some of the harshness and some of the, how hard he was as a dad to his children. I believe he had regrets. I could see it. I could sense it by the things that he told me. Why is genealogy so important in the scriptures? How far could you go back? I could go back not very far. I could say I'm Jim, the son of John, the son of Thorwall. And that's about as far as I can go. Because <laughs> I don't know my grandpa Thorwall's last name. Or his, his dad's name. I know it was Thorson. Thorwall Thorson. But I don't know my grandpa. I don't know his dad's name. But in the scripture, you imagine being able to just spout off the genealogies. How important that was. Many family records or genealogies exist in the Bible. How many love reading through the genealogies? It's usually the passages people try to skip over. It's usually those sections where people say, I don't really. And when I get to those, I really try to pay attention. 
I really do, because I think this is important. And I remember I was reading just recently, maybe within the last few years, and I was reading about Jesse and the, his sons, and, and then he mentions whose sisters are, talking about David, Zeruiah and Abigail. And I said, Zeruiah was a lady? Because <laughs> I heard Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and Abishai, and that was their mom? <laughs> All that time, I thought it was the dad, and I learned a lesson that day. Then I had to do research. Why did they not mention the dad's name in that particular instance? And so sometimes reading through the genealogies, you get to thinking, ah, so here's this issue that David had. And why was his chief counselor, have, why did his, his chief counselor have such an issue with him that when it came time that Absalom, remember, you remember when Absalom came up against his dad? And his chief counselor, the real wise guy, the real sharp guy, went with Absalom. Well, something happened. That guy had a granddaughter by the name of Bathsheba. Yeah. And David did something that he probably thought wasn't all that really that good to his granddaughter. And so he, think, I think, had some bitterness against David. So, Bible's genealogy is sometimes when you look at it and you try to find out who is who and why, and it starts making a little sense. Oh, they're related. <laughs> they're brother and sister. That makes sense, totally. Um, the Bible's genealogies help confirm historical reliability. The Bible's genealogies reveal the importance of family to God and to the writers of the Bible. The importance of family is emphasized in each generation mentioned throughout the Bible. The Bible's genealogies were also important in determining who could serve in certain roles. These included Levites working in the tabernacle and temple, as well as descendants of Aaron who were to serve as high priest. Many activities in the Mosaic Law were limited to those who could prove there were Jew they were Jewish descendants. Uh, the Bible's genealogies also prove many Bible prophecies. For example, Jesus would be a Jew from the tribe of Judah. He was a descendant of both Abraham and David, as Scripture predicted. Genealogy was important. Some people, this generation, almost has a disregard for the older generation. It's just like they don't even regard them. They don't have that respect. And so I wanted to have that respect. I wanted to have that honor for the elders. I wanted to be able to sit down with an elder and learn everything I could because there will come a day when I won't have that access to them. So Bible genealogies. Somewhere in my family history, there was a guy by the name of Thor. Seriously, there was a guy by the name of Thor. Do you guys know that? And he had a son, and they, they named him whatever, Thorson. So that's the way they used to do it in Norway. They used to be, I would be, if, we, if the tradition continued, I'd, my last name would be Johnson, because my dad's last name was, or first name is John, and my kids would be Jamesons. If we still followed that same, 
But somewhere in the family history, genealogies, there was a guy by the name of Thor. And I had a fascinating thought a few years ago, a number of years ago, more than 20 years ago, in the, back in the olden days. And I was reading Genesis chapter 5. And did you know that Adam lived to be 930 years old? And I began to wonder, I wonder how many of his descendants he got to see. Well, if you read Genesis chapter 5, you could figure it out mathematically. You could see that the Bible says that Adam was 130 years old when his son Seth was born. And then it will tell you how old Seth was when his son Enos was born. So I started to write it out. I have notes right here. In fact, Adam was 130 when his son was born. He was 235 when his grandson Enos was born. He was 325 when his great-grandson Canaan was born. He was 395 when his great-great-grandson Mahalalel was born. He was 460 when his great-great-great-grandson Jared was born. He was 622 when his great-great-great-great-grandson Enoch was born. He was 687 when his great-great-great-great-great-grandson Methuselah was born. And he was 874 when, he, when his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson Lamech was born. Now, Lamech was the father of Noah. And you know, Lamech was 56 years old when his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather died, Adam. And I could just imagine if I was Lamech having the mindset that I have today walking over to great, 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 how many greats was that? One, two, three, four, five, six great, 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 great grandpa Adam's house. And just sitting down with Adam and saying, what was it like before the fall? And Adam could say, you know, we walked with him in the cool of the day. Eve and I, we experienced his presence. You know, his desire was that we would have a relationship. It was before there was any law except for one law. Just don't eat of that tree. His desire was us to be the, the law of God to be written in our hearts, for us to have a relationship with him, to know him, and that determined our actions. I, I just wondered about that. What would it have been like for Lamech? And then Lamech had a son many years later. He was over 170, 180, when Noah was born. But he could have told Noah. And this was the one, of the one thing that fascinated me when I was doing a study on this. Did you know that Methuselah, they say, lived longer than anyone else? And that Methuselah's son was named Lamech? And Lamech's son was named Noah? So Noah's grandpa was Methuselah. And if you figure out the math from Genesis chapter 5, you will find that Lamech died before his dad, Methuselah, five years before. I was fascinated by that. And I was also fascinated by the fact that Methuselah died the year of the flood, the very same year. That means when Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, Methuselah and Lamech were alive. And I wondered... Did Methuselah die 
before the flood or because of the flood? And I went to talk to Brother Google about it. I said, Brother Google, did he die? And I've seen all these various answers. Some believe that he died because of the flood. Some believe he died just prior because he was the righteous lineage. I honestly don't know. But just fascinated with the idea of the generations and what we can give our children. Nehemiah 7.64 says, These sought their register among those that were reckoned by genealogy, but it was not found. Therefore were they as polluted put from the priesthood. They didn't even allow them to be priests because they couldn't prove they were really truly descendants of Aaron or of Levi. Psalm Proverbs 17 verse 6 says, children's children, how many grandmas and grandpas can testify to this? Children, that's the grandkids, are the crown of old men. Can anybody say amen to that? And the glory of children are their fathers. How about Proverbs 16, 31, the hoary head, that's the gray hair. The hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. So grandma and grandpa, if you're found in the way of righteousness, if you are found, it's a crown of glory. So a lot of scriptures, a lot of things. What's the best thing that you can do for your offspring? You need to know him. You need to increase your faith. You need to add to your faith and make him known. Because Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Sit with your children. Sit with your grandchildren. Make this known. Make it known to them. And then... Psalm 112, verse 1 says, Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. His seed. Do you ever stop to make decisions because of your children? That's one of the things that kind of bothered me. Was it about Hezekiah? They said, well, at least I won't live to see it. Was it Hezekiah? That, that bothers me. I don't want my children to be influenced by decisions that I made that weren't right. I want my children, I want my grandchildren to be mighty men and women of God. So, the generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. How about Psalm 25, 12? It says, What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. Verse 13, his soul shall dwell at ease and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. The importance of fearing the Lord. Listen to this. This is a charge to grandmas and grandpas today and to all the future grandmas and grandpas of America that are here today because I consider myself to be a future grandparent of America. I do. I consider someday, I, you know, we've set the stage, my wife and I. We've done our job. We've done our duty. We had children. 
Now it's up to the children to have children's children. Psalm 78 says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. Those are those deep sayings, those dark sayings, full of wisdom, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. I want my grandchildren to know. And if these guys bring them around me, you know that this, this guy is going to share with them. You know this lady, she's going to be sharing things of the Lord with those grandkids. We're going to be talking about him and how wonderful our Lord is. His strength, his wonderful works that he hath done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children. Make them known to your children. That the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. And may we have the attitude of the psalmist when he says in Psalm 71, 17, O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until, until I have showed thy strength unto this generation, until I have shown your power to everyone that is to come. May that be my prayer. My job is not done till I have showed your strength and your power to everyone that is to come. So, grandparents, show those grandkids his strength and his power. And grandchildren, that's all of us, right? Learn from those grandparents. Doesn't matter how good or bad those grandparents are. We've got something to learn from them. I gleaned some powerful things from some grandparents, and maybe they weren't the best of parents, but I learned some things that God allowed me to learn through them. Amen. So happy Grandparents Day to all the grandmas and grandpas. I wish your granddaughters were here, Patrick. <laughs> I haven't seen those girls since they were little. I heard they're not so little anymore. Heard they're <laughs> heard they're tall. Amen. So that's just wanted to share. I just thought, you know, what do we say on Grandparents Day? What do we say to the grandmas and the grandpas? And uh, how many appreciate their grandparents? Yes. Uh, truly, I would not be here without them. Truly, without my grandparents, my parents wouldn't have even been around. That's the truth. I'm just telling you the truth from my perspective. Amen. Brother McAtee, would you pray in closing today?
Amen. You guys are dismissed in Jesus' name. Some of the young men, we're going to need you guys' help uh, getting the tables and the chairs to the tables. And we're going to, you know, get some of these chairs on the last few rows. And uh, some, of the, some of you guys can help with that.